Okay, let's turn our attention to 2 Samuel 19. This is a long chapter. I'm going to be reading the entire chapter. However, the sermon will only be with regard to three uh, circumstances within the chapter. But once again, hear the very words of God. And Joab was told, Behold, the king is weeping and mourning for Absalom. So the victory that day was turned into mourning for all the people. For the people heard it, said that day, The king is grieved for his son. And the people stole back into the city that day, as people who are ashamed steal away when they flee in battle. But the king covered his face, and the king cried out with a loud voice, O my my son Absalom, O Absalom, my son, my son. Then Joab came into the house to the king and said, Today you have disgraced all your servants, who today have saved your life, the lives of your sons and daughters, the lives of your wives and the lives of your concubines, in that you love your enemies and hate your friends. For you have declared today that you regard neither princes nor servants, For today I perceive that if Absalom had lived and all of us had died today, then it would have have pleased you well. Now therefore arise, go out and speak comfort to your servants. For I swear by the Lord, if you do not go out, not one will stay with you this night. And that will be be worse for you than all the evil that has befallen you from your youth until now. Then the king arose and sat in the gate, and they told all the people, saying, There is the king sitting in the gate. So all the people came before the king, for every one of Israel had fled to his tent. Now all the people were in this dispute throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, The king saved us from the hand of our enemies. He delivered us from the hand of the Philistines, and now he has fled from the land because of Absalom. But Absalom, whom we anointed over us, has died in battle. Now, therefore, why do you say nothing about bringing back the king? So King David sent to Zadok and Abiathar the priest, saying, Speak to the elders of Judah, saying, Why are you the last to bring the king back to his house, since the words of all Israel have come to the king, to his very house? You are my brother, and you are my bone and my flesh. Why then are you the last to bring back the king? And say to Amasa, Are you not my bone and my flesh? God do so to me and more also if you are not commander of the army before me continually in place of Joab. So he swayed the hearts of all the men of Judah, just as the heart of one man, so that they sent his word to the king, Return you and all your servants. Then the king returned and came to the Jordan. And Judah came to Gilgal to go to meet the king, to escort the king across the Jordan. And Shimei, the son of Gera, a Benjamite, who was from Baharum, hurried and came down with the men of Judah to meet King David. There were a thousand men of Benjamin with him, and Ziba, the servant of the house of Saul, and his fifteen sons, and his twenty servants with him, and they went over the Jordan before the king. Then a ferry boat went across to carry over the king's household and to do what he thought good. Now Shimei, the son of Gera, fell down before the king when he had crossed the Jordan. Then he said to the king, 
Do not let my Lord impute iniquity to me, or remember what wrong your servant did on the day that my Lord the King left Jerusalem, that the King should take it to heart. For I, your servant, know that I have sinned. Therefore, here I am, the first to come today of all the house of Joseph to go down to meet the Lord the King. But Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, answered and said, Shall not Shimei be put to death for this? Because he cursed the Lord's anointed. And David said, What have I to do with you, you sons of Zeruiah, that you should be adversaries to me today? Shall any man be put to death today in Israel? For I do not know that today, for, for do I not know that today I am king over Israel? Therefore the king said to Shimei, You shall not die. And the king swore to him. Now Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, came down to meet the king, and he had not cared for his feet, nor trimmed his mustache, nor washed his clothes from the day the king departed until the day he returned in peace. So it was, when he had come to Jerusalem to meet the king, that the king said to him, Why did you not go with me, Mephibosheth? And he answered, My lord, O king, my servant, deceived me. For your servant said, I will saddle a donkey for myself that I may ride on it and go to the king, because your servant is lame. And he has slandered your servant to my lord the king, but my lord the king is like the angel of God. Therefore, do what is good in your eyes. For all my father's house were but dead men before my lord the king. Yet you set your servant among those who eat at your own table. Therefore, what right have I still to cry out any more to the king? So the king said to him, Why do you speak any more of your matters? I have said, You and Ziba divide the land. Then Mephibosheth said to the king, Rather let him take it all, inasmuch as my lord the king has come back in peace to his own house. And Barzillai, the Gileadite, came down from Rogalim, and went across the Jordan with the king to escort him across the Jordan. Now Barzillai was a man very aged, 80 years old, and he had provided the king with supplies while he stayed in Mahanaim, for he was very a very rich man. And the king said to Barzillai, Come across with me, and I will provide for you while you are with me in Jerusalem. But Barzillai said to the king, How long... Have I to live that I should go up with the king to Jerusalem? I am today 80 years old. Can I discern between the good and the bad? Can your servant taste what I eat or what I drink? Can I hear any longer the voice of singing men and singing women? Why then should your servant be a further burden to my lord the king? Your servant will go a little way across the Jordan with the king, and why should the king repay me with such a reward? Please let your servant turn back again, that I may die in my own city, near the grave of my father and mother. But here is your servant, Chimham. Let him cross over with my lord the king, and do for him what seems good to you. And the king answered, Chimham shall cross over with me, and I will do for him what seems good to you. Now whatever you request of me, I will do for you. Then all the people went over the Jordan, and when the king had crossed over, the king kissed Barzillai and blessed him, and he returned to his own place. 
Now the king went on to Gilgal, and Chimham went on with him, and all the people of Judah escorted the king, and also half the people of Israel. Just then all the men of Israel came to the king and said to the king, Why have our brethren, the men of Judah, stolen you away and brought the king, his household, and all David's men with him across the Jordan? So all the men of Judah answered the men of Israel, Because the king is a close relative of ours. Why then are you angry over this matter? Have we ever eaten at the king's expense? Or has he given us any gift? And the men of Israel answered the men of Judah and said, We have ten shares in the king, therefore we also have more right to David than you. Why then did you despise us? Were we not the first to advise bringing back our king? Yet the words of the men of Judah were fiercer than the words of the men of Israel. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Let us pray together. Father in heaven, as we read this passage, what comes to the fore in our minds is the great mercy that David had for his people, those who had sought his life, and yet he returns to his people with profound forgiveness and mercy. As we consider that in this passage, we pray that you would cause us to meditate on the mercies of our Lord Jesus who while we were yet sinners and enemies of his, gave his life a ransom for us and rose the third day for our justification. We thank you for his faithfulness and that profound salvation that he wrought on our behalf as it's somewhat portrayed in this account of David, Lord. We pray that this passage would goad us to further righteousness to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before you. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, brethren, I've titled the sermon Mercy Toward His Enemies because in this passage, David is showing great mercy toward those who sought his life. As image bearers of God, how often do we give thought to mercy, the concept of mercy? We hear it often in our singing, particularly when we sing from the Psalms. I'll make mention of that here in a moment, the the prolific use of the word mercy in the Psalms. But as image bearers of God, if we are going to rightly bear His image, we have to rightly bear His attributes, don't we? Isn't that part of His image? It's not the the physical image that we're bearing before God, it's who He is, and what He is. And He has made us in that image. Well, the first instance in the Scriptures where we find this word mercy is in Genesis 19, when the angels visit Lot, who's living in Sodom, and have instructed he and his family to leave that wicked city before God's judgment is about to be rained down upon it. Lot spoke to the angels saying, this is Genesis 19, beginning in verse 18, Please know, my lords, indeed now your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have increased your mercy, which you have shown me by saving my life. 
But I cannot escape to the mountains, lest some evil overtake me and I die. See now, this city is near enough to flee to, and it is a little one. Please let me escape there. is, Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. What's happening here is Lot has been told that his life will be spared, that the mercies of God will surround he and his family if they leave the city and go to the mountains. Lot says, don't send me to the mountains, it's too far, something evil will happen to me going there. Let me go to a a nearer city, Zoar. It's a small city, I think he's trying to to, uh, make convince the angels that it's an insignificant place. Send me to this insignificant place because you've increased your mercy toward me. This is the first mention of the word mercy in all of Scripture. Well, this passage depicts the very meaning of the word mercy. It's encapsulated in this account. The word mercy means to withhold wrath or judgment, to hold back that which is rightly deserved. Lot had taken up residence in a wicked place that God was preparing for judgment, and God's mercy had been increased to Lot and his covenant family by way of a promise. Notice that Lot says to the angels, you have increased your mercy which you have shown me by saving my life. His life had not yet been saved. That's going to come the next day. And yet he believed these angels, these messengers of God, that because God had declared this thing, that if he and his family were to leave, that he would be saved. Isn't that indicative of our own salvation? Hasn't God promised something that we don't yet hold on to? And yet haven't we been saved as well? We've been saved from our sin in Christ Jesus, and that salvation is yet to be realized in its fullness. Yet, we have been saved. Well, in our passage today, David's rebellious son Absalom has died, and David is returning to Jerusalem and to his throne as king over all Israel. He is the victor from the civil war that's just been concluded. And it remains to be seen how David will deal with the rebellious tribes of Israel. Will David exact justice from those who rebelled against him? Or will he show mercy? And if mercy, if he shows mercy, how will it be exhibited? Will David bear God's image toward those in rebellion with mercy? He does. And it is a profound lesson for us. God is merciful, the Bible says, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. And David's demeanor toward those who desired to take his life is that of compassion. It would seem that David's mercy toward those in rebellion is some of the very evidence that portrays David as being a man after God's own heart. He actually is merciful at a time when he could be very strong-armed with the people of God, meeting out justice. Brethren, the word mercy appears over 275 times in the Scriptures. Of those references, over a hundred appear in the Psalms. 
No other book of the Scripture has more references to mercy than the Psalms. And this tells us something very important. The subject of God's mercy is to be on our lips. It is to be our song. God has written this attribute into no less than 58 of the Psalms. And in Lamentations 3, the prophet Jeremiah speaks of the mercies of God being new every morning and God's faithfulness being great. Jeremiah wrote, Lamentations 3, 22-24, Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in Him. Let's pause here just a moment. We as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are to be conformed to His image, are we not? And according to the Apostle John, Jesus was and is the Word made flesh. John went on to write in John chapter 1, verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Brethren, Jesus is the very glory of God the Father, and we are to conform to that image. We are made in the image of God, and we are to conform to the glory of God's image as it is revealed to us in Scripture in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. Furthermore, as Jeremiah writes, the mercies of God are new every morning. Thus, we who are being conformed to His image must each day embrace the attribute of mercy because that is the frequency to which God practice, practices His attribute of mercy. It's supposed to be part of our daily activity, being merciful. I believe David's example of mercy in 2 Samuel 19 is in keeping with the mercies of God toward rebellious humankind. David exemplifies three kinds of mercy that we should note. First, David is merciful to those who followed Absalom in defiance of him in verses 9 through 14. Second, David is merciful to Shemei, who taunted and ridiculed David. We see this in verses 14 through 23. And then lastly, David is merciful to Mephibosheth, the grandson of Saul, who had sought to kill David. Saul had sought to kill David, not Mephibosheth. Verses 24 through 30. And one last thought regarding the mercy of God from a statement we find in Romans 9.15. There we read, these are Paul's writings to the Romans, for he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. Brethren, mercy is an act of the will. One must purpose to be merciful. One must purpose to be merciful. Because of the statements that we see in Lamentations 3, and this statement in Romans 9.15, we know that God purposes to act in mercy each day. Indeed, He is greatly to be praised because of that faithfulness. 
Now, as we look at David and the people of Israel in verse 8, we find David sitting at the gate, the place of judgment. When the king sat at the gate, or the elders sat at the gate, they were judging who would come in and out of the city. David sits at the gate, a place of judgment. Those who rebelled against David have all fled to their tents, verse 8. Not knowing what might befall them when David returns, they have gone to their places of comfort, not necessarily places of safety. They've gone to their tents, a place of comfort. They don't know how the king's going to judge them, but there they wait. David's judgment at the gate is a judgment filled with mercy. David calls for the priests, Zadok and Abiathar, to summon the elders of Judah. And notice that David does not return in anger, but appealing to their kinship, to the tribe of Judah, David says, you are my brethren, you are my bone and my flesh. Brethren, revenge is not on David's mind. Reconciliation born out of mercy is on the mind of David. It is his will to be reconciled to his kinsmen, not to punish them for their iniquities, for their rebellion. He seeks restoration with the greatest and the least tribes of Israel, Judah and Benjamin. Brethren, this is indicative of the comprehensive nature of God's mercy toward mankind in Christ Jesus. Both Jew and Greek are objects of God's merciful reconciliation, the greatest and the least. David then turns his mercy toward Shemei. You will remember this character from 2 Samuel 16 when David was initially fleeing from Absalom. Shemei is a Benjamite from the house of Saul, so he's a, he's a descendant of Saul. And he has no love for David. And you will remember he taunted David as David fled from Absalom, from Jerusalem. In 2 Samuel 16.5, we read these words. Now when David the king came to Barhurim, there was a man from the family of the house of Saul whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera, coming from there. He came out cursing continuously as he came. Then in verse 7 of that same chapter, also Shimei said thus when he cursed, Come out, come out, you bloodthirsty man, you rogue. He's saying that of the king, King David. Then in verse 13, And as David and his men went along the road, Shimei went along the hillside opposite him and cursed as he went, threw stones at him and kicked, kicked up dust. This is, this is some sight to see. Opposite side of the road on the hillside. Here's this man kicking the dust, shaking his fist at David, cursing him, throwing stones at him. This was a bitter man. He hated David as he cursed him continually. When David is en route to Jerusalem to resume his kingship, Shimei comes to meet him when he crosses the Jordan River. This man who cursed him. Can you imagine this man starting to head toward David? What David may have been thinking. What's he going to do? Is he going to throw stones at me? Is he going to curse me again? What is this man Shimei going to do? I, I recognize this fellow. It wasn't that many days ago that he was throwing a tantrum. But notice what David says. And David said in verse 22, 
What have I to do with you, you sons of Zeruiah, that you should be adversaries to me today? Shall any man be put to death today in Israel? For I do not know that today, for do I not know that today I am king over Israel? Therefore, the king said to Shimei, you shall not die. And the king swore to him. Brethren, judgment had been made just a a, a day or two before at the forest of Ephraim. 20,000 men died. And if you'll recall from last week, most of them were swallowed up by the forest. It wasn't even the sword that took their lives. God had judged Israel for turning against his anointed. David was now showing benevolence of mercy as the anointed of God when he returns to the people of God. God had spared his life. David knew that. And God's promises would be that his people would endure. David knew that as well. The time of war and fighting had ended. It was now time for peace and reconciliation. David says to Shimei, you will not die, and he swears to it. Well, one of David's servants said, wait a minute, shouldn't this man lose his life for cursing God's anointed? And David takes up mercy rather than a sword on behalf of this covenant man who had strayed from faithfulness. Next, we see David continuing to show mercy to one whom he'd already shown mercy, Mephibosheth. You'll remember Mephibosheth, Jonathan's son, Saul's grandson, who in his youth lost the use of his his feet. Uh, He was lame. He was uh, crippled. His nursemaid had dropped him, and we don't know if it was a some kind of spinal injury or maybe a head injury that caused the, the crippling effects. But Mephibosheth could not provide for his own self and his needs. David sought Mephibosheth out. He sought him and brought him into his own house, set him at the king's table, showed mercy to the grandson of Saul, the, Saul the man who had, had chased David and tried to take his life on many occasions. Well, David is continuing to show mercy to Mephibosheth. When David had hastily made his exit from Jerusalem, fleeing the vengeful Absalom, Mephibosheth's caretaker, Ziba, intervened against the wishes of Mephibosheth so that he could not follow after David. Mephibosheth had told Ziba, get a donkey, saddle him, put me on that donkey, I'll follow the king out of Jerusalem. I can't walk. So something has to transport me. Get the donkey to have that happen. And Ziba misleads Mephibosheth, doesn't get the donkey. Mephibosheth can't follow David, and Ziba throws his lot in with Absalom. When David then inquires here in this chapter as to why Mephibosheth did not follow him, David is informed of Ziba's treachery. What does David do? He shows mercy to both Mephibosheth and Ziba. He shows mercy toward them. Mephibosheth is restored to David's household, and the evil Ziba is apparently pardoned. 
David's actions of mercy are first a corporate act of mercy toward Judah and Benjamin, then an individual act of mercy toward Shimei, a belligerent enemy, and then lastly, a continuing act of mercy on one whom he'd already shown mercy. Brethren, isn't this the pattern that God gives to us? This is how God has shown mercy to mankind in His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus came to show mercy to a world filled with sinners, according to John three sixteen through 17 where we read, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through Him might be saved. God shows His mercy to the whole world. Not only did He come to reconcile the world to God the Father, He came to seek and to save the lost. Paul wrote to the Romans in chapter 5, verse 8, But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that the love that David is showing to Shimei? Shimei taunted David. He ridiculed him. He threw stones at him. He kicked up dust at him. He did everything he could, save for striking him, to belittle the anointed of God. And David shows mercy toward Shimei. And lastly, David showed mercy toward Mephibosheth many years before Absalom's treachery. And David did not forget that covenant of mercy shown toward Mephibosheth. He had to flee Jerusalem. Mephibosheth, because of his providential hindrance, had to remain behind. Yet David doesn't forget that mercy. David is not slack concerning his promises. When he returns to Jerusalem, where do you find Mephibosheth? Trust me, brethren, he was at the king's table. It's not said here specifically, but that's the intent of this passage. David continues to show that same kind of mercy toward Mephibosheth. He is a picture of our Savior Jesus, who most deliberately told those gathered on Solomon's porch in John chapter 10, I told you and you do not believe. This is Jesus at the temple. Solomon's porch. And He's speaking to the people of Israel. I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in My Father's name, they bear witness of Me. But you do not believe because you are not of My sheep, as I said to you. My sheep hear My voice and I know them and they follow. Did not Mephibosheth seek out David when David returns? He knew the shepherd's voice and he sought him out. He knew where mercy came from. It came from the hand of David. Jesus said, My sheep hear My voice and I know them and they follow Me. And I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish neither shall anyone snatch them out of My hand. My Father who has given them to Me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of My Father's hand. 
I and my Father are one. Brethren, this passage teaches us of the mercies of God to a covenanted people, to we individuals who were enemies of God, and to we who God has brought into the sheepfold by the blood of the eternal Lamb. God's mercies are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. And we are the objects of His mercy. Brethren, this passage calls us to meditate on that. The word meditate in the Scripture only appears 20 times. 20 times in all of the Scriptures. But if there's anything that we ought to meditate on, it's the wrath that was due us that has been withdrawn by virtue of the work of our Savior. Think on these things. Let us pray together.